So, you guys remember what Sarah talked about last week? You you weren't supposed to answer that, but that's okay. Okay, yeah, okay. You never watch Jeopardy with Sarah because she'll just scream out the answer before everybody else. So, um, yeah. Anyway, so today we're gonna second part of our foundation series of and what our what our core beliefs are. Again, this is not just um, this is not um, theology. This is just the the foundations that we have to stand on. And everybody knows you have to have some kind of foundation in your life in order to do that. Um, you know, I, I remember um, watching uh, a cartoon as a kid. It was a little Christian cartoon that showed the guy. It was the cartoon of the, the guy who built his house on the rock and the guy that built his house in the sand. And the guy that built his house in the sand, he's all happy because he's getting it done quick and he's, and he's got it and he's in his house and he's happy. But the guy that was building his house on the rock was still building his house. And then they both got done. And then, as the Bible says, the storms came. And the, the, the water starts coming up and starts coming up. And the guy didn't build it right on the wa- edge of the water, but he built it farther up. And as we know in Michigan, our beaches can appear or, or disappear within moments. And it's kind of ironic that, you know, and he built his house, you know, not on the edge of the water, but close to the water. And, it was, and he's watching his house dissolve. And he's watching his house float away. Um, and the, the guy that built his house on the rock is just, you know, he's in his house looking out the window and he's like, oh, I'm glad that's not me. But, and, and I look at that in our foundation, we have to have foundation. So in a physical, we have to have a foundation to build upon. You can't just build something and say, I don't have a foundation. What happens is this, is it sinks, it's crooked, whatever, you know, it's not going to end up right. But, and that's the same way with our, our spiritual life. We have to have foundational things in order to secure us and to hold us in place. And when we do that, what happens is, is then it gives us something to build upon. You won't, you know, it, it'd be like, so we just put an addition in a couple years ago. Think about if I just put a bunch of wood down, built the roof, built the walls, and didn't put any kind of footers, any kind of um, cement in, and then just kind of got some flooring and put the flooring in, what would that be like? Yeah, it'd be cheaper, a lot cheaper. But, um, but what happens is, is this, is it's uneven. A foundation, what is a foundation? It's supposed to be what? It's supposed to be firm. It's supposed to be smooth. It's supposed to be even. And so what we have to do is we have to build upon that foundation. So um, faith is, is a, is a um, foundational thing that we need as Christians. We need to have faith in order to grow as a Christian. So one of the, the foundations, and after Sarah talked about God is good, is nothing is impossible. Faith says nothing is impossible. Faith to us says, I don't care what, it, what I see, what I hear, I'm going to believe that it's going to happen. But faith requires something. It says uh, in Hebrews eleven six, it says, And without faith, it is impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Think about it. It's a requirement. Faith is required to please God. And it's not, not, oh, I have faith for this or I have faith for this. No, it's simple. It says, if you believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. 
That's what he requires in our faith right there. That's the beginning part of our faith is that, he belie- that we believe that he exists and he rewards those who seek him. So when we are growing in our faith, when we're moving forward in our faith, and there, there should always be growth. We should always have growth in our life in every, uh, every area. You're never going to max out and be like, oh, I leveled up to 50 and now I'm good to go. I was, uh, I'm going to give this away, but I was watching this video this week and I play a certain video game and I was watching this guy and I'm like watching this guy play a video game because I just like scrolled through YouTube real quick and, and it popped up. I'm like, oh, I'll just click on it. The guy was like 496. I'm like, I'm at 50. I'm like, how does that work? I'm like, how do you get 496? I'm like, and I was thinking and it made me think it's like, there's never an end to where we can go with God. There's never, there's never a, a set limit of God's like, okay, you reach level 50 in your faith, you're good. I'll just call you home. No. Re, if you read uh, Hebrews 11, it talks about people who their faith was so good that they just disappeared. If you look at it, what, what does it say? It talks about Enoch. Enoch just, one day God just took him with him because his faith was strong. And so, Faith requires something. It requires action. It requires movement. And it requires us to keep pushing forward. Um, I think so many people want to make faith this, oh, I just believe. And it's, it is, that is the foundational part of it, is believing that God is who he says he is, and that he exists, and he will reward those who seek him. But what does it say? That we want, what do we have to do? We have to seek him. So faith requires an action. It requires seeking you know, there's that song that says, the more you seek him, the more you'll find him. And I, I look at that and there, I think we've, in the aspect of faith, we get into just the, the idea of I believe and this is what I have. This is my faith and this is what I live from. But, and that is part of it. But there's, there's multiple factors of faith where it's not just believing and living in that. It's believing and seeking after what he has next. And then there's seeking. When, when you're seeking, you're saying, okay, God, what, what are you doing when, when I'm seeking? So believing and seeking have to go together. You can't just believe, oh, I have faith. I love God. There's a lot of people, you, you know, God, yeah, I believe in God. There's a difference between believing in God and knowing God. Because a person who believes in God may not know God, but a, ple- a person who believes in God and seeks after God and has a relationship with God, he knows them. Because what is he going to say at the end? At the end he's going to say, depart, if, he, if he doesn't know us, he's going to say, depart from me, I never knew you. And, and that's, that's a really hard line to swallow. And I think in our, in our culture, we don't want to, we don't, um, I shouldn't say we, I should say, Society doesn't want people to, to have that, that bad feeling that God may say that to somebody at the end of their life because they didn't know him. But faith is this, and when we seek him, we become close to him. We begin to know him. We get, begin to have a relationship with him. You know what I mean? You don't just like see a woman and say, I'm going to marry that woman and never, ha- and never talk to them at all and then just live the rest of your life with that person. That's called Stalking. Yes, it's like that guy that lives in the attic and you don't know he's in the attic. Um, but think about it. You are required to get to know someone in a relationship. 
So think about this. If you're not seeking after that relationship, what happens? It doesn't last, or you're just that creepy person hanging out in front of the house. Um, People can say, I believe in God, but it requires a secondary action of seeking after him. Because when you seek after him, that relationship starts to become real. Being born again is the, the starting point of faith. And what, I, and what I mean by this is it takes faith to believe that God exists. And to, to allow yourself to surrender to him and allow him to take over and take control of your life. Think about this. This is the hardest thing for people to understand. I have to quit being a control freak of my own life. And I have to let someone who I can't see, I've never talked to in person, but apparently he's in heaven and he wants to bring me to heaven later. I need to give him full control of my life. It just sounds crazy when you think about it. And so for some people, it's hard because I've controlled every area of my life. I control when I go to work, how I go to work, what road I take, when I get gas, what gas station I, I do. You know, what grade of gas, what, what I get at the grocery store, what I get at the, when I go into the, to pay for my gas. They control every little thing. They control every aspect of their life, and then they have to give over control. And God's like, well, now you're going to be led by me and my spirit and not what you think is right. So, to seek... I was, look, I was uh, interested in what um, some of the roots of that were. And to seek means, to proper, means properly to seek by inquiring, to investigate, to reach a binding resolution, to get to the bottom of the matter. Think about this. You're not, to seek means to find out who he is, to get to the core of who God is. Think about this. There's so many people that they, they've gone to church and they, and they have this relationship with God, but they've never really seek. They never really seeked after who he was and never thought about who he was as a person. It was just a routine of doing this. And, and I think we've all been there in moments in our life where we, we were like, yes, this is great, and we're going after God, and then it, you get into like this lull, and it's like, and you're just like, well, I have faith. I'm just going to stick with this. This is, this is easy. Elementary faith is easy. One plus one faith is easy. I believe God exists and he rewards those who seek after him. But when you get into more depths of faith, it's hard. To know God requires us to seek out and to know him in the most possible depth that we can. There has to be a depth in that relationship. Think about this. If you had a relationship, you meet your spouse, and you stay in that moment, in that moment from the rest of your life, from the moment you get married to the, re- to the end of your life, that's the only depth you have. <laughs> Sarah, oh gosh. Uh, think about this. You will have no depth in the relationship. If you don't have um, friction and you don't have anger, you don't have emotion in that relationship, there is no depth to it. Yeah. It's, just, it's just the 
honeymoon stage. And that only lasts for a certain amount of time until, you know, somebody's, yeah, doesn't pick up their socks. I picked them up this morning. Yes. Because I stepped in water. So, um, and I had my socks on. So, but there has to be more depth to that. There has to be that I'm angry with you at moments because what it happens is, is this. It comes to resolution. And then it has to come to a closer relationship. To know God's heart and to know his truth, you have to have a deep relationship with him. We can hear the surfacey truths. We have that nice message that we hear uh, on the radio or we can go to church and listen to something and get surfacey things out of it. But it takes people that want depth to get the depth out of a message. Think about it. You can, like, it, it's, it's like I was watching... Um, this man, he was building a uh, table, and he was this beautiful table, and he was using this um, curly maple. And you don't know what that, that the, the grain of it looks like until you're finished with it. And what happens is, is this, is, and he puts oil on it, and it reveals the depth of the grain of, you, you can see it very lightly, but once you start putting oil on it and you start to finish it, you see the depth of the grain, you see the, the beauty of the grain. And I think knowing God and his truths and understanding his heart takes depth and it takes time of finishing and taking off the rough edges and becoming refined in who we are in him and knowing who he is. That's how you become um, proficient in learning who God is and how to have a deep relationship with him. We have to learn how to have a deep relationship with God because he's not going to force that relationship on us. In marriage, you're forced to have a relationship whether you like it or not because you've agreed to have that relationship. Whether you're having a bad day or a good day, you're, still for, you're, gonna, you're not forced to, but you've made a binding contract before God that you're going to do this. And it's like some days I'm just like, oh, I just want to lay down and cry. No. And then there's other days you're just like, yes, this is, a, this is good. You're going to have your moments. But God is not going to force you to have a relationship with him. Well, God just doesn't speak to me. Have you spoken to him? You know, they, they, people want this, this amazing Christian relationship where people are like, oh, God's just working through you. But have you had a moment of, of conversation with him? I love this table. It's just all over the place. Woo. Um, yeah. But faith is that deep relationship with God. It has to be solidified. Faith sees what cannot be seen. Faith sees what can be and not what is. It looks at the situation and goes, I see what it can be, not what it, it's, what it is. I know what it's going to be. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So I like... 
this translation. It says, now faith brings our hopes into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things that we long for. It is all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. I think we, you know, we live in the microwave fast food generation and when we're waiting and, you know, what was really bad when, when the shutdown was, it was only drive throughs And so you had drive throughs packed out to the road and we're sitting in, you know, we're sitting in line for five minutes and like, just give me my cheeseburger. I just want a cheeseburger. And, you know, we, we sit in line and when we wait too long at the gas line and there's a car in front of us, like, what's taking them so long? How long does it take to get your Slurpee in the, in the, in the store? You know, like, why are you not moving fast enough? And, you know, like, the person that's sitting at the drive-thru for three minutes, you're like, why is it taking them that long to order fries? There's all the food. There's only one person in the car. Move it. Or when you're sitting at the stoplight, we went through Rockford yesterday and I leaned over to my youngest and I said, so many Karens, so little time. And I was like sitting at the stoplight and the light just literally just turned green and getting ready to. And somebody's honked behind me. I'm like, Really, are you in that much in a hurry to get your Ugg boots? I'm like, really, are you, are you that in a hurry to get to where you need to be? You're not going to the hospital. You're not going to, you know, an emergency. You're literally driving towards Meyer. I mean, if the 10 for 10 sale is gone, heaven forbid that it comes next, next month and you have to go back and get it. I'm like, why are we in such a hurry? But we have, a, we have that mentality when it comes to faith. We have that mentality when it comes to, well, I just need, God just needs to give me all the revelation and you know everything now because I just, no, it, it, it's a process. And the process is sometimes painstakingly slow, not because of God, not because he's like, are you sure you wanted this? Are you sure? No, it's because we are painstakingly slow in our movement. And God's like, how long does it take you to do this? But he's patient with us because there's growth that comes. God knows that we're not going to get it immediately. He knows that it's going to take seasons and it's going to take trials. It's going to take tribulations. It's going to take raising kids. It's going to take having troubles, having arguments in our lives to start to produce something in our lives. So we, we always want something to happen right now. God, I prayed for that. Why isn't it happening? You're, you know, you're like, in Jesus' name, amen. Where is it? <laughs> yeah. And, and God is not the little Amazon drone that flies it to your door and sets it on here. You know, we don't get that around here. We're way too far out in the country. But, you know, he's not that little delivery service. And in Jesus' name, amen. Ding. Oh, oh, wait. Oh, it's at my front door. There it is. You know, it's like, we, we want that, though. We want that to pray. Oh, God, I thank you that um, all my bills will be paid. And then you run out to the mailbox. Oh, nothing in there. Five minutes later, run out. Where is it? It, it doesn't work that way. God's not in a delivery service. God is not an errand boy. But he does come through. You know, it says that we, we, we hope for and we believe for the things that we don't see. 
So I was thinking about that, and I'm like, okay, what does, you know, we, because God is unseen. We don't see God in a physical form, but we see how, what he does. We see him move in our lives. We see him move in, um, in the church. We see him move in healing. We see him move in spiritual things. We see him move, move in emotional things. But it's like, what are the things that are unseen? And when we, when we think about that, it's... It, to understand that it says it's unclear, it's indistinct, not immediately obvious, it's uncertain, not evident, unrecognized. We don't, we're praying for God to answer our prayer, and we're praying God to, to meet our need, but we don't know what the, the answer is. It's, we don't understand what the answer is. Sometimes it comes in the form of somebody showing up and saying, hey, I want to take care of this for you, or I just need to pray with you. Other times it comes in the form of something shows up in the mail. Or sometimes it's just a person saying, I just want to bless you with something. Or it could be something where you go to the, the doctor and the report that was bad is now good. But we're believing for something that we don't quite know what it is. We know what we want, but we don't know what the answer is. And I think we're, we believe, when we believe for that, it's like, God, what, what, am I, what am I? I'm just believing for it, but I don't know what the answer is. And I think that's the hardest thing for us is not knowing what the answer is at that moment, at that time, and saying, I know what the answer is, and this is what I'm going to hold on to. No, we hold on to him, and we say, you are the answer. You have the answers, and we're going to grab hold of you, and however it works out, I trust you. Yeah. You know, it's, it's really cool because if you read in Hebrews, the people who had faith were called the friends of God. We're called a friend of God. Abraham, Abel, Enoch, they were called friend of God. And I think it's, it's, faith is not just something that is um, generic in, in just kind of um, not intimate. In, faith is an intimate connection with God, if you really think about it. You know, when you When you look at the word friend in the Bible, it actually means, it, within the, the, the um, context of the kingdom of God, friend actually means family. When, when God says you're a friend of God, he means you're my family. Think about this. We call him father. Why would he, if he's the father, why would he call us friends? Because that, that word actually means family. And I think we need to approach him like that instead of saying, oh, you know, approaching him as like some random person. You know, I think a lot of people think of God as just some guy in a big robe sitting up like 10 feet above us and, you know, saying, nope, yep, nope, yep, yep, no. It's not that way. We have to start to view him as the person sitting next, like he's sitting next to us. Start to to view him like a, a father would a child, and a child would a father. Because that type of relationship is a close relationship. A friend is just, oh, hey, how you doing? Nice to see you. Um, really, a lot of times a friend is, is not really a very close, intimate relationship. It can be acquaintance. It can be, you know, oh, I see you twice a year. Oh, yeah, hey, hi, how are your kids? Blah, 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 and then move on. 
but we have to start to look at it as family because he looks at us. Because what, what has he done? When, he, when he, we were born again, he has now what? Brought us into the, his family. He's adopted us. So when we start to relate to God as a father, we start to see him as our provider. And when we start to see him as our provider, we'll start to, we start to trust him for the things that we need. But that's when we make our request known. My kids always make a request, Dad, like Lana last night. She's like, Dad, how about you do the dishes for me? I'm like, oh, maybe. She's like, you don't do anything in this family. I'm like, hmm. I was like, hmm, who just bought your shoes today? I'm like, who just paid for them? Yeah, she said, Mom, that's okay. She's like, you don't do anything in this family. I'm like, I'm sorry that I go to work for nine hours a day and, and, and keep the, the heat going and the lights on. And I'm just like, it's all good. So I just didn't do it. And then she came up to me. She goes, if I unload, will you load? I said, yes, I will do that. She made her request, and I gave her part of the request. But I think so many times making our request known to God, we do it like over and over and over and over and over. And it's like, he's like, I know your request. You told me three weeks ago. And... I'm working it out. I think sometimes it, it, as our kids come up to us and they're like, this is this, and you're like, we're working on it. That's the hardest thing for them to understand. I get people at work, well, when's this going to be done? I'm working on it. And I, and I think I had a gentleman come up to me and said, because we were doing some things at work, and he said, when is the, this room going to be all redone? I said, well, I'm probably not going to start on it until the end of next week, but I'm working on it. And the disappointment in his eyes, because didn't understand the concept of time, of what it takes to do things. And I think we go up to God, God, wh- wh- when is this going to be done? God, please help. do it now, do it now, do it now, do it now. And it says, make your request known to God. And I think we need to go to God originally when, we, when we're coming to him and say, this is what I'm going through. I need you to take care of this. I believe you're going to take care of this. But I think what we do is we tell him every day, 400 times a day, God, when are you going to take care of this? God, he's like, will you just shut up? I want to hear from you, but I don't want to hear from you in in, in, uh, this nagging, like, he's like, just let me do my job. Let Let me take care of you and quit bugging me about it. You know, making our requests... Known means telling him what it is. And once we've told him what it is, thank him for taking care of it. You know, we only praise God when it comes. I think we need to praise God while we're waiting. You know, we we go to God, God, I just, you know, something's happening. I need this. And thank you for taking care of it. And then every day saying, thank you, Lord, that you are providing. Thank you, Lord, that you are taking care of what you said you're going to take care of. Thank you for being who you said you are and being faithful for that. It's, it says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and praise. And I think we enter his gates with a continual whining sometimes. 
God, why isn't this working out for me? It's, he's just like, you already told me. Quit whining and throwing a temper tantrum on the floor of my house and let me work it out. Philippians 4, 6 says, don't worry or fret. Instead, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. Letting God know your concern before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. Sometimes we need a timeout. It's wonderful when it happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. I, I, and I think we continue to make anxiety and push out faith when we constantly come to God over and over and over, and he's just like, start to thank me for it once you've made your request known. Because what's happening is when we're thanking him for it, we're reassuring ourselves of who he is, what he's doing, and that he is going to be faithful to do it, what he says he's going to do. Yes, Lord, you are taking care of this. I am going to receive this. I am going to have healing. I'm going to be, you know, um, whole. Whatever it is, we start to, to pray. We make our petition known, and then we start to praise him for what he is do, going to do. But it requires action. And sometimes we don't like that. You know, our, our faith is, and we had this slide up with all the different things, and faith is not just believing for something to receive something. Faith it has uh, a go part of it. There's not just what can I get from God? There is, what has God done for me and how, what am I going to do with it? It's called exercising your faith. And we've read the scripture in James. It says, you know, you say you have faith, but show me your works to go with your faith. You know, it says, if someone says he has faith but not works, can faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed or lacking daily food and someone says, go in peace, be warm and filled, and doesn't provide for them, what good is it? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from works and I will show you my faith by my works. That is works. What we did, that's works. Without faith involved, it's just works. There has to be that faith to push that out there. I know people that give money. The thing it, it, You can just throw money at anything you want. It doesn't mean there's faith involved in it. When faith is involved in it, things happen. Faith energizes the work that you're doing. Faith energizes the, the movement that you're going forward in. Our faith is worked out in actions. Our faith is expressed through our work and what we do. We have to have faith in what we do and, and the movement of the church of reaching out to people that are in need and to giving to missions because if we just give money, it doesn't do anything. It does something for them, but it's not our faith exercise. It's just, oh yeah, here's, here's a buck here. Here's a dollar here. Here's $10 here. We need our faith to be um, the fundamental part of our, of our works. Because works is not going to get us to heaven. Faith in Jesus Christ is what gives us to heaven. So when we just, well, I just did this and I did this and I did this, I think we get in that mindset of it. Well, I, God's going to be pleased with me because I did this. 
we all get into that mode. And then you realize, you stop for a second, you're like, was I doing that to make God happy or was I doing that because I love him? Was I doing that to make God happy so he would be happy with me or was I doing that because I love other people? I like what it says in Hebrews 11, 1 through 2 in the message. It says, The fundamental ex- fact of existence is that trusting God, this faith, faith excuse me, is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It's our handle on what we can see. The act of faith is what distinguishes our, distinguished our ancestors, set them apart from the crowd. Our faith, not our works, is what sets us apart. We believe God is going to provide for us and he's going to take care of us. And I, I think if you look around, everybody in this room has had that moment where God has just shown up and he's worked, whether it's financial or, or, or physical or if it's um, emotional, God has done something in your life. And it's, it's, usually it's undeniable. It's like there's no way this could have worked itself out in the, in the, in the natural. And God shows up and he heals somebody and he... he, he he um, emotionally heals somebody and, or he is working in their life and you're like, this has to be God and there's no other way be around it. I love it. It says faith makes worth, uh, life worth living and it gives us a handle on what we can't see. It gives us something to hold on to. It's our hope. It's that anchor so we can say, you know what? God is going to do this. I'm going to hold on to the hope that when I see it come through because I know he's going to show up. It holds fast. What happens is this. Our faith will hold fast onto God. You remember when your kids are little, they used to sit on your foot and they would hold onto your leg and you try to shake them off. Yeah. It's like that when, we are go, when we're going through storms and we're going through trials and we're going through, we sit on God's uh, foot and we hold on and he's just like, I'm walking through this. You're walking with me. We're going to take care of it. It's a, it's a weird analogy, I know, but think about it. You can't get that little rug rat off your leg, man. It's just like shaking him off. And, but that's how we need to hold on to God. We wrap our legs around, we wrap our arms around and we hold on to him and we hold fast to what he is. Let's pray.